Good morning. Good to see everybody today. I want to welcome everybody to church. My name is Andrew. For those of you that know me, I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We ended a series last week. I'm ringing a little bit. We ended a series last week uh, called Gather. It's was our word for the year. We, we did eight parts, okay? And so as I was praying this week, I really felt like it was time to, to move on, um, but not move on to a new series yet. And so just processing through, and I believe I got a, a, a strong word uh, from the Lord today for our church and uh, for the future uh, of our lives. And, and, and as, you know, different things are happening. And when I do these one-offs, it gives me an opportunity to really talk about what's happening in our culture, and what's happening in the church, and um, there's a buzzword that is happening that's kind of been brought back to life called revival, and uh, a lot of people are talking about it, a lot of people are seeing it, and, and, and so today we're, we're, we're going to talk about uh, the greatest revival uh, in biblical history, okay? The greatest revival, this is, it's actually labeled that in Scripture the greatest revival in history. Before we get into it, it is the first of the month. and the first of every month here at Passionate Life Church, we uh, try our best to take communion together. So if you did not get an all-in-one when you came in um, and you want to take communion with us, uh, just as we transition to response time, I'll make sure you get one. Uh, the only thing we ask here at Passionate Life Church is that you are a follower of Jesus uh, communion is for the believer. You, when we take communion, we take it seriously. It's time to examine yourself um, and, and reflect what, what Jesus has done. And so, uh, but in about 30 minutes, I'll give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus so you can take communion with us, okay? Awesome. Hey, uh, this Wednesday, we're not going to be having prayer uh, in the upper room this Wednesday. Prayer is canceled just this Wednesday. Um, and so just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that because I know we've been having Lots of people come on Wednesday night. It's been really awesome. Um, man, so many people getting connected on Wednesday and, and flowing in the Spirit, and, and God is just moving. Um, but uh, there's no prayer this Wednesday, okay? Awesome. Are you guys ready for the Word today? Come on. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. This is your moment, Holy Spirit. I thank you for every person that's in this room today, that you have called them by name, that you have a purpose and plan for us today, right now, in the next 30 minutes. You want to speak, so open our hearts, open our minds. God, I pray whatever happened this morning, whatever happened this week would, would just fall away. God, would just slip away. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to everything that you have in store for our lives today. God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd get me out of the way, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. All right. The, the greatest revival in history, the story of Nineveh. We're going to be looking at the story of Nineveh today, not the most popular part of the story of Nineveh where, where Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. We're going to be talking about that today. I want to talk about the revival part. And uh, I want to talk about keys. There's, there's keys. There's, there's keys that why God saved 120,000 people in about 40 days. The, the city of Nineveh was 120,000 people. And, and I feel like there are keys, the way that 
Nineveh reacted to God and, and God's word, uh, there are some keys in there that we can pull out that we can place on our lives and see a revival first in us, right? Because revival has to start in us, right? And then in our community, and then in, in, in our city, and then in our state, and then in our nation. But revival starts with us. So let me give you some context. Uh, God called Jonah. Jonah was actually the first missionary, okay, in the Bible. Uh, God calls Jonah to go to a foreign land called Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go. And the reason why, there's a couple reasons why he didn't want to go, but one of the main reasons why he didn't want to go is because he didn't want to die, okay? Good reason, right? Nineveh, they were a ruthless, murderous people. And, and we're not just talking like they were going to kill him quickly. They like to kill people slowly. Like, like they, were tra- they trained their, their young from, from uh, a very young age to, to be warriors, to fight, and they were a ruthless people. And so Jonah's like, I don't, I don't want to go there. Like, they're going to kill me or do something worse to me. And so, no, I don't want to go there. And so eventually God gets him to go to uh, Nineveh, okay, to go to Nineveh. And so let's go ahead. We're going to read through this, and then we'll, we'll unpack it today. Jonah 3, 1 through 10. And what I want to encourage you to do this week, uh, read the book of Jonah this week. It's a, it's a fascinating, great book. But also read the book of Nahum, okay? There's a 150-year span uh, between Jonah and the book of Nahum. And, and I feel like it's a good example of what happens when a generation doesn't remember the great things that God did before, okay? So come on, let's read it. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Continue. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So Jonah's message wasn't a message of encouragement, okay? It was change or die. I mean, that was the message, right? Change or die, okay? And, and, and the people heard the message. Let's continue. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the city and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. Okay, so they're pretty serious. They made their animals fast. Come on. Anybody make their dog or cat fast during the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Listen, Fido, if I'm not eating, you're not eating either. Come on. <laughs> Let's continue. People and animals alike must wear garments. They put sackcloth on their animals. Come on. Like, they were serious about this. Uh, of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Let's continue. When God saw 
what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Okay? 120,000 people were saved within a 40-day period, right? They were saved. It took about three days for, for Jonah to go through the whole city, right? People begin to fast, they begin to pray, and, 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 and everybody gets saved. It's, it's called the greatest revival in history because how the Ninevites reacted to the word of the Lord, okay? So I got three points today, three keys to moving us personally and, and as a community into revival, okay? And I'm just going to give you my three points. I'm going to talk about them for a moment, and then we're going to dig deep into them. My three points are humility, honor, and holiness. Humility, honor, and holiness. And yes, they all start with H. You're welcome, okay? I'll start with H. Help us remember. Humility, honor, and holiness. If you look at this passage of Scripture... The first thing that, that the Ninevites did was they, they humbled themselves before the Lord to the point where they were willing to allow themselves to look stupid to humble themselves. Sometimes God is asking us to do something that might look stupid to the world to get His point across. If you're not willing to look stupid for God... Man, it's going to be hard for him to do a revival in you and a revival in our community. If you're not willing to pray at work or open your Bible at lunchtime during work, how, how is God going to do something amazing in you, revival in you? If you're not even willing to hear some of the, the persecution or the jokes that might come your way. If you're not, I remember when I was working in the corporate world and you go out to lunch with someone, come on, that awkward moment, like, I'm, I'm going to pray, okay? You guys want to pray with me? I'm praying, right? If you're not willing to look stupid in front of people, sometimes God is asking you to do things that might look stupid to the world, but man, that, man, that is part of humility, to humbling ourselves, getting low before the Lord. And the Ninevites were like, man, let, let's fast and pray. Let, let, let's wear sackcloth. Let's put sackcloth on our dogs. You know what I mean? Weird, right? Like, who cares? Like, let's throw ashes on our heads and, and on our animals. And, and let's just, man, let's just humble ourselves. Let's look stupid before man and, 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 and the Lord. And man, God was just like, wow, these, these people. They're getting it. They're, they're understanding it. They're, they're processing what humility is. And then the, the next thing that they, they, they experience, the next thing that they experience, man, go, go back to the other thing, yep, was honor. When, when Jonah came into the city, right, what did they do? They honored Jonah. They honored. And what they were doing by honoring Jonah, they were honoring the word of the Lord. When we humble ourselves like Nineveh, they meant to humble themselves. They got low before the Lord. They honored the word of the Lord, right? They honored Jonah, right? And, and we'll get to this in a moment. And then they stepped into holiness, right? They, they stepped into the holiness of what God had called them 
into. Okay? Humility, honor, and holiness. And what's interesting, and if you read Nahum this week, um, it's it's a 150-year span between Nineveh in this moment and Nineveh in the future. And what's very interesting is they had 150 years of prosperity, of blessing, of favor from God. And then generation after generation, they begin to forget what, what God did a hundred some years ago when God saved 120,000 people. Why? Because they turned from their wicked ways. And, and I'm just going to give you five things just to think about today of what, and I'm, this is what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that Nineveh, and it doesn't say specifically what Nineveh was into, but I'm guessing that Nineveh just returned to their sins of their past. Okay? Because the Scripture tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's nothing new, right? The days of, of Noah were horrific. The days of Nineveh were horrific, just like they're horrific today. But there was, there, there were, there was a, a couple things that were really interesting in the book of Nahu that I pulled out. And why I'm asking you to read them, because some of you are not going to believe me today um, when I'm talking about them as we, trans, trans, uh, as we transition into our, my three points today. A couple things, five things that they, they, they were a culture of. One, they were a culture of violence, okay? They killed people a lot, right? They were a culture of violence. They were a culture of liars, okay? They lied all of the time, okay? They were, they were violent. They were liars. The third thing, they were a culture of alcoholics, okay? They drank all of the time. This was their, their culture. The fourth thing, okay, it says this in Scripture, and some translations try to lighten this passage, but it's actually not what it means. Um, specifically, the scripture says, their men became like women. And, and it's not, some translations will say, well, they were weak like women. That, that's not what scripture says. It says they became feminine. Okay? The men became feminine. And, and, and then, the, then the fourth thing that happened is that they didn't have any walls. They, they, they tore down their walls or they became lazy and people could have access uh, to their country. People could have access to their city because uh, they didn't build up border walls. Okay? Now, is there any similarity to Nineveh and us today? Right? Listen, we've been in the same sin for thousands of years, right? It just looks a little bit different, right? But we've been in the same sin for thousands of years, and God wants to do revival, right? God wants to, just like these people were into all of these things, just like we are today, God wants to revive His people. God wants to bring a movement to His people. And so let's talk three keys today, three keys to moving us into personal and community revival. Number one, humility. Let's look at Matthew 18.4. What does Jesus say about humility? So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child, he, he brought a little child and showed him in front of his disciples. As humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why? I, I pulled this out of one of my expositories and I didn't want to miss it. I want, I want to read it for you. Go ahead and put it up. This is what it said. It said, children, when very young, do not desire authority, do not regard outward distinctions, are free from malice, are teachable, and willing to depend on their parents. And so when Jesus is asking us to get 
humble before the Lord, this is what he's asking us to do, right? To not desire authority, right? To, to not regard outward distinction. They're, they're free from malice, teachable. They don't even know malice, right? And they're willing to depend on their parents. Humility leads to repentance and dependence on God. When we get humble before the Lord, humility leads to repentance and dependence on God. We can't have a revival in us if we're not willing to repent and acknowledge our dependence on God. Nineveh acknowledged, man, they need to repent from their sins, but they also needed to acknowledge their dependence on God. If we want to see a move of God, if we want to see a revival in this city, in this church, we have to humble ourselves. We have to repent and acknowledge our dependence on God. I thought this was so interesting. Proverbs 15, 32-33. If you reject dis- uh, discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Humility precedes honor. So you can't skip the line, right? You, you, you can't be like, oh, I'm just going to honor people. No, no, no. You have to humble yourself first. It, it literally says you have to be humble before you get honored, right? You have to be humble before you start to understand what honor means to God. Man, humility is so important, church, that we would humble ourselves before the Lord, that we would repent, but also acknowledge our dependence, right? Because here's the thing. Some of us have dependence on God for three out of four things, right? Or or five out of six things, right? And and there seems to be, there's there's something in us that we struggle with giving God dependence on. God is not going to revive us. He's not going to do what He wants to do in us when we give Him complete, unless we give Him complete control, give Him complete dependence of our life. And we live in a culture of what? Independence, right? We live in a culture of independence. No, no, no. Independent. Do what you want to do, right? I know all these things are countercultural, okay? And that's what God wants to do in our hearts. And this is what He wants to do in our minds. And this is what He wants to do in our church. If we could be a church as humble, that is really good at repentance, okay? Because he's not asking us for perfection. He's asking us that we would repent, get low before the Lord, and say, God, I depend on you. I depend on you. Okay, number two, honor. Honor. John 5, 22 through 23, Jesus says this about honor. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as, this, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. Okay, so what Jesus is saying here is that to understand honor, we have to understand Jesus. We have to honor Jesus first. Okay? We have to honor God with our lives. We have to honor Jesus with our lives. We we see that Nineveh, Jonah came and he was representing the word of the Lord, right? And they had a decision. Were they going to honor 
this person? Were they going to honor Jonah in the word of the Lord, or were they going to dishonor him? And so today, in today's version, it would be, will we honor God's word in our lives, or are we going to dishonor God's word with our lives? I mean, this is how we honor God first. He, he wrote a book, right? The word became flesh. When we honor this book, we honor Jesus. When we honor this book, we honor God. And we live in a culture today that does not honor this book at all. We live in a culture of dishonor. We, we live in a, a culture of complete dishonor. And God is saying, hey, if you want to see a move of God, if you want to see revival, man, you got to get in this book. You have to start honoring this book. Because when we honor this book, we honor God. It's one in the same. And, and church, just because someone says that they're a Christian doesn't mean that they honor this book. And so, if we want to honor God, the first thing is we honor His Word. Ephesians 6, 1-3, through 3, the Apostle Paul says this, and he's talking about one of the Ten Commandments. He says, children, obey your parents in the, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, okay? This is so interesting. This is the first commandment where there is a promise from God attached to it, okay? So he's, he's basically saying, if you obey this, there is a promise that follows this so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I don't know about you, but I want things to go well with me. Come on, right? And I know... Parents like to use this, birth, this verse to threaten their children. Come on, it's, it's fine. You can do that, okay? It says, honor, right, your father and mother. And then when Jesus talks about this scripture, when, when he, he talks about the scripture, he adds a little thing to it and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself, Okay? So what does it look like for us to honor one another, right, in a culture of dishonor? What does it look like for us to honor each other? Well, Jesus would say, we love one another as ourselves, right? We, we, we treat someone how we want them to treat us, right? We honor someone the way we want someone to honor us. And so as a church, guys, we need to honor the way we talk to one another, the way we act towards one another. We need to be careful what comes out of our mouth and how we treat one another, right? Because honor is a big deal to God. Honor is a big deal to God. And there is a promise that is attached to it that if we honor one another, if we, if we of course, honor our father and mother, uh, but honor one another, the way we talk, the way we act, Man, it will go well for us, right? God blesses that when we have a culture of honor in his house, okay? So we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to honor, right? Honor God's word, right? Honor God's word. Honor each other, right? Honor God's house. And then the third thing, and we're going to probably spend the most time on this one, is holiness, okay? Holiness. Now, this is a word that is scary to many people right? Holiness. I can, I can, oh, I can never be holy, right? That, that, that's just too much. That, that's perfection. Like, I can never be called holy. Right? That, that is just a lie from the enemy, okay? It's a lie from the enemy. I'm going to show you that you are holy today, okay? And that you can claim holiness for your life, in your marriage, in your family today, okay? Let's look at the Greek word for holiness. This is the Greek word for holiness. 
is hagios, which means set apart by or for God, holy and sacred. Set apart by or for God, holy and sacred. So this is what it means to be holy, to be set apart for God, holy and sacred. Now, in contrast, right? Our current worldview is that everything is common and profane. We live in a world that is, everything is common and profane. Satan, is, is, his plan is to take what God has set as sacred and make it common and profane. And we look at our world today and we see Satan is moving. I mean, turn on any show, right? Like, you, there, there's, it's profane, it, 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 it's common, Right, that you watch the Grammys for 12 seconds and, and be disgusted by what, what is happening, the entertainment that is going on in, in, in our, our world, right? Because Satan's plan is to take what God has set apart, what God has called holy, and, and make it common and profane. So let's, let's look at some things today. If we're created in the image of God, and we are called a masterpiece, okay? What that means is that life is sacred to God. Life is sacred to God. Well, when does life start? Well, Jeremiah tells us that life starts even before. He says, I knew you before you, you were in your mother's womb. So that means nobody's a mistake. Okay? You, were, you were born on purpose, okay? With a purpose. And, and, and we see, let, let's just look at our country, and we see that they've taken what is, what is holy, what is sacred to God, and, and, and they've made it common, right? With, with the abortion pill now, now, now you, you don't even have to go in. Now you can just take a poison pill to kill your child. And, and you know, we, we've created laws in our state to, to protect women to have abortions uh, all the way up until birth. Okay? And... This is horrifying to God. Okay, this is horrifying to God as we see these things taking place in our city. But, but they're happening all across our country. You know, as we made abortion legal. The moment we made abortion legal is the moment judgment came on our, our country. Because life is sacred to God. It is sacred. Every life is sacred to God. There's no mistakes when it comes to God. And then, what else is sacred to God? Well, marriage is sacred to God. Marriage is sacred to God, so much so that, that He designed it in the book of Genesis in the beginning. Man and woman, right? And, and Jesus says, man and woman become one. And marriage is sacred to God. And, and what do you see that, that has happened in our country? We've, we've, we've made same-sex same marriage uh, legal, and, and then we, we, we put laws into place that protect it. See, what Satan does, he takes what is holy, what is, what is sacred, and he makes it common. He defiles it. This is, this is his plan for our life. The family unit, the family unit is sacred to God. The role of a father in a home is sacred to God. And what have we seen decades of attacks of just how many families, how many children have been raised without a father? 
Because that, that, was, that was instituted by God. He created it sacred. And, and, and Satan has defiled it. He made it common and, and profane. Man, God's church was, was created to be sacred, to be holy. And then when we see Satan has made it common and profane where, where, where people don't respect the house of God anymore. People just see it as something to do. And, 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 and listen to me, guys. When we come here, we're just not hearing about God, but we're experiencing God here. Well, we're just not here to read the Word of God. You can do that at home. No, no, no. We're coming to experience, to get transformed, to get closer to God, to, to get delivered, to get set free, to get healed. Like, like. And, and instead, it, it's just, hey, let's get you through a 60-minute service and, and not offend anybody. And, and I hope you feel good, you know. And, and just, hey, if you want to give some money, great. And this is what Satan's doing. Take anything that you see that God is holy and set apart. And Satan's goal is to make it common and profane. And, and this is the culture that we live in today. A profane culture. I, I, I mean, I remember growing up, you, you couldn't watch anything. You, you couldn't watch anything with nudity in it or even swear words on, on Local TV, okay? I didn't have cable, okay? But local TV, right? And, and, and now, like, you have to be careful what's on you know, just, you know, TV, period. Or, or even commercials. Like, you have to be careful on, on watching commercials with, with your family and your kids because our, our culture glorifies. Because that's what Satan does. He glorifies. He, he takes what's sacred and he makes it common and profane. And, and, and we're no better than Nineveh, okay? We're no better than Nineveh today, the way we're, we're living in this, this culture, right, of wickedness, uh, of taking what is sacred. And so, church, we need to take back what God calls holy and sacred. We, we, we look at identity, right? There's such an attack on our young people's identity, God, your identity is sacred to God. Your sex, what you were born, is sacred to God. He did not make a mistake. You were born a boy because he had a purpose for your life as a boy and as a man of God. You were born a girl because he's got a purpose for your life as a daughter of the king. And so we, we, we take back these things, guys, and we don't bend. And we have clear, loving conversations with people and friends and family. And I know those types of things hit home because I know what, what our youth is dealing with and struggling with and, and what the public schools are pushing on our children. And they are lies from Satan. It's literally Satan is taking what is sacred and he's manipulating and he's making it common and he's making it profane. And so church, our, our first line of this is, is praying and praying that, man, God would bring back holiness into our schools, that God would bring holiness, you know, back into our teachers, that God would bring holiness back into our church, that God would bring holiness into our family, into our marriage, because that is what God wants to do. It's always a good sermon when I can 
quote Leviticus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Leviticus 19.2 says this, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel, not just some. He just doesn't say, hey, the priest, come here, priest. Let, let me get, I have a message for you. No, no, no. He said the entire community, Passionate Life Church, the entire community. Everybody that's watching online, the entire community. This is God's instructions. He says, you must be holy. He doesn't say, well, if it's convenient, if it fits into your schedule, and if it doesn't offend anybody, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. He says, you must. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And, 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 when we, and when we start to understand that, right, that I am holy, why? Because I'm sacred. Listen, whatever belongs to God is holy. Whatever belongs to God is holy. You belong to God. You belong to God. Well, when do I belong to God? The moment before you're formed in your mother's womb, you belong to God. Why? Because life is sacred to God. Now, we have a choice whether or not we want to belong to God. He's already chosen us. He's already set us apart. And He's given us free will. Whether or not we want to choose God back in our life. But, but God chooses, chooses us from, from, from day one. From the moment. He, he chooses us. Why? Because life is sacred to Him. Our identity is sacred to Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. So, let's read it. Now may the Lord of God, the Lord, the, now may the God of peace make you Holy. So how do I become holy? You let God make you holy. God makes us holy. Okay? Quit trying to strive and achieve holiness on your own because you can't do it. You can't. Only by God's grace, only by God's mercy can we be called holy. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Some way. No, no, no. Every way. God wants to make us holy in every single way. Way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. Come on. Doesn't that give you peace? Doesn't that give you encouragement that you don't have to make holiness happen? Well, this was the issue in the Old Testament. They had to make holiness happen. I mean, if you want to just have your mind spun, read through the book of Leviticus. All the rules and laws, and like, like over 500 of them were made up by them, right? Like the priests, like they, well, let's just make it harder, right? Like it was just, like you want to talk about striving to become holy because of Jesus. And we're going to honor Jesus in a moment here as we take communion together. Because of Jesus, He is the one that makes it happen. For he who calls you is faithful. So how do I be, become or stay holy? Right? How do I become or stay holy? By staying or becoming faithful. We cannot please God without faith. We can't. And that is part of, of staying holy and becoming holy. Being faithfully obedient to God. Humbling humbling ourselves before the Lord.
quick to repent and quick to acknowledge. My dependence comes from God. Quick to honor God's word. Guys, this is, man, to honor God's word. And this is, guys, as we trend in our country towards wickedness and, and, and so leadership matters in our country. And this is where we're trending towards. Not that God can't do it, right? And my prayer is, God, do it again like you did in Nineveh. But the king has to get off his throne and, and get on his knees and repent. And that is my prayer. That our president would get on his knees and repent and pray. Because our country isn't going to change unless God's people change. And we humble ourselves. We repent. We pray. We honor God's word. And we step into holiness. I am holy, not because anything I've done, but because Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He makes me holy. And Satan's constant lie to us day after day after day is you're not worthy. You're common. You're nothing. You'll never amount to anything in your life. Do whatever you want. It does not matter. But guys, the Spirit of God is calling you out. And He's saying, no, no, no. You're set apart. You're holy. I got a purpose. I got a plan for your life. I got grace. I got mercy. I got vision. I've got wisdom for your life. I've got blessing. I've got favor for your life. Step into the holiness. Step into the holiness. Not because you're holy, but because God is holy. It's literally what the angels are singing right now at this moment. Holy, holy, holy is He. Your life is sacred. Your family is sacred. Your marriage is sacred. This is what I love about God in the story of Nineveh. No matter how bad it gets, in a moment of humility and honor and holiness, everything can change. Everything can change. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. First things first. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to today. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth and, and you need to come back to Jesus today. You need to repent and get aligned with God today. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. If that's you, this is your personal declaration of faith. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. Yep. Just slip it up and put it down. This is between you and God. Thank you. Yeah. And I would just ask this morning that we would repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.